Welcome to the Baker McKenzie Latin America EMI Talks podcast series focusing on sector-specific issues that are impactful to the players of the energy mining and infrastructure industry. It is my pleasure to introduce our speakers. Our first panelist is Noe Sanz from Burns & McDonnell, an international engineering and construction leader focused on delivering capital projects in power generation, transmission, oil, gas, chemicals, and industrial, industrial manufacturing sectors in the Americas region. Noe is country manager for Mexico, civil engineer, and holds an MBA in project management. He is also president of the International Society for Mexico Energy and has been a guest lecturer at the University of Texas in Austin um, and Tulane University speaking on topics such as CII, capital project and best practices. I would also like to introduce my colleague, Danielle Sanchez, partner in our energy mining and infrastructure group in Mexico City at Baker McKenzie. Daniela is a lawyer with over 18 years of experience in the corporate energy, project finance and infrastructure fields. He has advised numerous clients, including multinational public and private corporations, private equity funds and financial entities. Part of his practice, he's provided legal counseling to both developers, lenders in the design, implementation and development of a number of energy and infrastructure projects. My name is Natalie Flores. I'll be moderating today's session. I'm an attorney at Baker McKenzie. Um, and have worked very closely in the energy and infrastructure sector in Mexico in the last six years. On today's podcast, we will discuss the challenges in both planning and development of projects in the region. We will also discuss solutions and best practices, not just in our current environment, but more so as we approach recovery in many parts of Latin America region. So one of the things that we would like to start with is really the development process before we begin development. So some of the things that we're going to touch upon are the key points of things to keep in mind prior to starting to develop. And I will turn the table to Noen and Danielle um, in order to discuss the, these, this process. Noen, would you like to discuss with us that? Yes, Natalie, thank you. And thank you for the invitation and the introduction. And your question is, is actually the, the right one to begin with. And what are the things to consider before developing a project and what we find, uh, our company being an EPC and planning company, EPC meaning engineering, procurement and construction, many people think that that's all it really needs to be considered, or the engineering, the procurement and the construction. But a capital project or an investment project has way too many, many other things to be considered. And it is very important for all of the stakeholders to understand what needs to be considered plan for and contract it, et cetera. So one of the things we always talk about with our clients and during the projects is what are the business drivers of this project? Oftentimes we, we always refer to, are we even doing or selecting the right project? So what we do is help our clients understand and define the right projects that bring value and accomplish their business goals. So in summary is, what are the business drivers of the project? Who are the stakeholders? That is very important. And then an understanding of the entire capital project and all of its phases. Uh, what, what do I mean by that? So if you're in construction, people think, okay, I don't have anything to do with engineering, nothing to do with finance or legal aspects. All I want to do is go and build things. Give me a contract, give me drawings. Well, that's too short-sighted. It's important to understand all of the phases, of course, everybody has their own roles and very specific responsibilities, but the understanding, especially for the project developer, for the investor, 
they need to have a, the big picture understood. And so in, in the internal considerations, the internal factors, as well as the external factors, community issues, environmental, regulatory matters, et cetera, it needs to be an integrated approach. It definitely what needs to be considered before developing a project and during the development and, and each actually until the end, what we call the, the startup of the project in the case of assets, capital assets, a power plant, a offshore platform, et cetera. Uh, that's uh, to me the, the most important thing to keep in mind of what needs to be done and considered before starting development. Thank you, Noah. And Danielle, are there certain legal considerations that we should look into prior to getting into these contracts and these EPC agreements? Well, um, uh, I would say that in, in this type of, uh, you know, large scale projects, I, I think that uh, similar to other, uh, uh, other areas of, of law and, uh, and, and the you know, the variety of, uh, of, of business development activities. I think that the first thing you need to bear in mind is location, 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 like, like realtor says. Um, you, uh, at least in respect of Mexico, uh, you need to be very keen in identifying what land you're, you will be developing the project on. Uh, and that would uh, trigger uh, different alternatives on, or, or, or would cause you to choose different uh, roads to, to, to go through and, and you know, decide whether one permit applies or not, uh, whether one activity is required or not. Uh, and, uh, you know, a very close collaboration between uh, you know, of course, lawyers and uh, the, the EPC contractor doing the, you know, the, the procurement, as, as Noé very well said. Uh, procurement is, is, I think, uh, in, in this stage, early stages of development of any project, I think is the most sensitive uh, part of, of, of the whole, you know, the whole activity to be, to be developed. So, uh, regulatory considerations is, 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 of course, is, of course, something that would need to be put on the table. And um, by the time you're into the EPC, you already know what project you are constructing. You're pretty much aware of what activity you will be developing. So that's the easy part. You know? the, 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 the complications come down the road and typically as soon as you identify where will you be developing this project. So I think that the first thing that you need to be aware of and, and the first thing you need to bear in mind is the location of this project. And that would, you know, it's, it's, it's a door that opens you a, a variety of other doors you need to cross and come across. Excellent point. I actually um, was thinking, would this be a common thread we would see in all of LATAM projects? This, not just the land issues, but also maybe the social um, issues that we would come across in some of these large projects? And, and this question goes to both of you. I'd like to add to what Danielle mentioned, because I agree, mm -hmm. location is critical. And I would add, and stakeholders that are tied to that location, what happens in projects is uh, it's very rarely you only have one option. As Danielle says, you have to look for the right location and that's what we call siting. So these siting studies 
are done during the planning process, the development process, and that's where you choose among all the options. That's a good practice to, to have different options. You select that, and sometimes you're so focused on the location and the regulatory, which is, which is, which is the right thing to do, but then also you need to understand who are the stakeholders outside of only government, like local communities, uh, different things that are, are in their mind. And sometimes that communication, we tend to leave it until the end because there's too many other priorities. And so if you leave that out, you run the risk of not engaging, understanding their needs or their concerns and their understanding of the project, you know, because we're so involved, we're in the, like in the TV show and then somebody else, you're the actor, but somebody else watching the movie from outside, they don't understand the benefits to them. They see it as a threat. Maybe they see, again, different perceptions. So to me is the site, location, selection, absolutely, as well as an understanding and an engagement of the stakeholders, government, society, associations, et cetera. That's an excellent, oh, I'm sorry, continue, Daniel. No, uh, well, I, I, I just uh, wanted to add that, uh, as, as, as you and Noe said, I think that um, in, in past years, it, it has become, you know, every time it's much more relevant for this type of uh, large-scale projects where uh, you know, the social unrest or the social, the community, the, 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 in, in, in overall, the, the social aspects of a, of a project have to be observed and need to be followed by the letter. You know? uh, we've seen a lot of uh, you know, projects that have been you know, shut down or, or, or have been suspended or, or have, uh, you know, have get into very much trouble down the road because of not obeying or not complying with all the requirements to, you know, to satisfy the social part of, of the development of the project, you know, that we have the, the, the social impact survey, you know, which is now a, 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 a statutory requirement by law and for starting development. Uh, and, uh, and so this is, uh, this is something that has been, you know, on, on, on the top of the list of priorities of any developer for, for these past years. Uh, you know, everything came out of, out of the uh, ILO Convention 169, all that has been, uh, you know, inserted to the law uh, uh, by the letter. And, and that is something you need to, to bear in mind. And, uh, and that could, you know, could translate into a successful project or a disastrous one. Thank you. And that, I think, brings us to a really good point that, that you mentioned. Some of these projects don't necessarily always meet their objectives. And some of these projects do not necessarily always get completed or they are delayed or suspended for a variety of reasons, some of which um, both of you have mentioned, social aspects or even environmental. What can you, um, and this question again goes to both of you, would you mind telling us what are some of the common reasons uh, each of you feel these projects may fail or, or do not meet their objectives? From my perspective, I'll go, and I'll go back a little bit to your question on this, is this a common trend in Latin America? I would say yes. And, and, and then let me explain why. Going back to your second question, Natalie, of, of why projects don't achieve their objectives. There was a study done by a global consulting firm of, of with construction owners, investors of different assets. 
And it w the result was that 80%, this is 8-0, 80% of projects, capital projects, do not meet their intended objectives. This is a huge problem and it's being analyzed in many different organizations, including the Construction Industry Institute that I'll refer to later. And, and there was a second survey done by the International Society for Mexico Energy in a capital projects related forum. It was a live survey with 100 executives in Mexico City, where the question was, what are the top three reasons why projects fail, capital projects? And it was honestly, we were surprised a, a little bit because there were like eight options. And the top three were, and I'm, I'm gonna go backwards. Number three was permits and, and all of the issues related to obtaining permits, which a lot of it has to do with providing the right information so the regulator can, can uh, issue it. That was number three. Number two was poor project management. And I was surprised by that. And I'll explain what I mean by that. And number one, the number one issue with 83% of the responses was lack of planning. And this is 100 executives who live and breathe capital projects in different roles. And so what happens, going back to the Latin American trend, we tend to have a tendency, we, we have a tendency, I was a little redundant, we have a tendency to treat planning as a waste of time. We want to move forward. We want to see shovels on the ground. We want to see trucks. Otherwise, what are we doing? So we, we have this tendency to go build with not a good plan in place. Now, people may ask, well, what do you mean by a plan? Well, that's a good question because it can be defined as, as a napkin with a couple of different notes, or it could be a book. Well, what happens is, and I'll end with this on this question is, you need to have a planning methodology that it has been proven, a process that allows you to measure the definition of your project in the early stages so you can move to the next stage and your board can approve funding from face-to-face -face based on something quantitative. And there's tools that we use and we're trying to promote those because we know that those, that helps capital projects succeed. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, in this regard, I, I wouldn't want to be the, you know, the devil advocate, no? but uh, I think that the counterpoint to this, and uh, that is something we lawyers typically you know, are, are very uh, hard and, 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 and you typically have very you know, strong and, and robust and, and, uh, and complicated uh, negotiations uh, is on first measure. No? Uh, because uh, it doesn't matter how much you plan, it doesn't matter how long you, you, you spend hours defining what alternatives and what route to take. There's, some, there's always something unexpected and something that you didn't uh, consider, you know, and something that may come up down the road, and that is something that you would like to have coverage on. And uh, that brings us to, to, to the first major provisions that which are typically negotiated and, and, and built into these contracts, which, uh, you know, it's, it's that I think, and my personal view is that that would be at some stages, the only insurance you have, you know, uh, to, to whether to continue or to disrupt or to, you know, put an end to a, to a project and uh, leave it or, or overcome it without being that much 
damaging to your, you know, your own, your own uh, projections. Um, this is standard in all contracts. It's standard in, well, in, in oral energy and large infrastructure project contracts. And that is something that we lawyers typically uh, fight much about and, 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 and are very, you know, reluctant to accept otherwise when, when negotiating contracts. And that is because of these unforeseeable events uh, that may complicate things and that uh, ultimately may have an impact on this uh, planning, which our friends engineers are, you know, spend so much time and, and effort developing and, and, and for uh, lightning to strike and then having these, all these problems and, and uh, you know, a domino effect on, 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 the, on the project schedule and, and, and obligating you to, to, to uh, or putting you into a default scenario. And uh, that, that, that is where you would like to have some type of coverage and these force major provisions are the ones that you would like to have. And if I may, Daniel, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I cannot agree with you more. And that's what happens to a lot of us engineers. I agree with you where we're so focused, hands, I guess, with our head down, looking at the technical aspects, maybe technical and economical aspects and all these technology options. And, and we tend to be, we're not, engineers are not good communicators. That's a fact. And, and now I, I, I try my best. Uh, as an engineer to communicate, not only speaking, but also listening to our customers and the stakeholders. But what, I, what we do lack very often, I think it goes back to your point is, we tend to overemphasize technical planning sometimes, but not contractual and stakeholder related planning and considerations, which oftentimes in our experience, external factors are what derail projects, not so much internal. I don't know if that's your same experience. Yeah, totally. Uh, I agree with you, Noah. I think that, that that's something that it, it has to be always on your mind and not, not on the, you know, behind your thoughts. It would have to be on the very top of your mind. So, I agree. And these unexpected circumstances that most of these contracts plan for this, the, most of the contracts have the force measure, who would have thought that we'd actually be here today going through the exact crisis that these clauses are prepared for? And that brings me to, are we seeing new challenges or are the same things that are delaying and derailing these projects, are they the same now as they were prior to the crisis or have things changed? Are we seeing new challenges, new obstacles that are making these projects even more difficult to complete? In, in my view, more from the planning and execution side and, and maybe even legal, but on, for us, the answer is yes. There are more things to be considered logistically, just to visit a site, going back to the siting conversation. It's, I mean, the traveling, the logistics, the protocols, approvals, things like that. That's because we are in the pandemic right now. And is it going to be different later? Well, I, I, I sure think so. I hope so. It's going to be back to quote unquote normal soon, but nobody really knows. So what's happening is everything is taking longer. And so projects are getting and not necessarily better defined, which goes back to my point of planning. It's, it's about the integrated uh, of internal and external factors that, that I 
refer to. But back to your question, Natalie, I think it will be different. I don't think we're going to go back to how it was before. Our contracts will be more difficult to, to define because people are going to be, at least in the near term, more sensitive to what if something happens and how is that going to impact my time and my cost and my labor, things like that. Yes, a good point. And I think some of the issues that, that maybe we're seeing now during the pandemic's supply chain issues and so forth, um, hopefully we'll, we'll all be better prepared for it after. Danielle, did you want to comment on if there's anything that we're seeing perhaps now during the pandemic that may be different? Or we can, you know, the next thing that comes to mind is how, how would things change, you know? And now we are entering recovery in many of these jurisdictions, perhaps not LATAM just yet, but we're already seeing in parts of the world uh, where they're opening up and they're dealing with reopening many of these projects. Will things change? Well, I think that um, uh, some of the way of looking at projects uh, change and will be here for good. Um, uh, one of those things is that I think that developers will no longer be looking at depending that much on the financing part. I would think that they will rely more on, on equity investment. No, whether well. Um, well they would not rely that much on, on, on the bank side. I think that they will, uh, will start to consider investing a bit more, you know, because of now that they, if the business is gonna continue, you know, um, uh, developers will, will, continue, and will continue doing what they can and, and, and what they should to continue developing and, and doing their own activities. But I think that they, We'll be looking at, at financing the, the projects on a different way because uh, this all this uh, you know uncertainty and, 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 and the the possibility of a slight or, or, or larger but uh, then this possibility of something coming up uh, these unforeseeable events uh, that will not allow you to continue or, or that will harm you in a way that you will no longer you know want to, 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 to be part of that project or, or not. Um, in, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Um, but if uh, you're speculating or, or you're not, you know, not that feeling, not that uh, certain about continuing, you may not want to get the bank uh, angry or, or, or getting into the fault with the bank. So uh, I would think that the, uh, as an aftermath of the pandemic is that uh, developers will be looking at the financing part that will be a bit different. Um, it doesn't, you know, you will never have sufficient coverage. And uh, as we said before, the first major provisions will allow you to have some type of coverage, but uh, the same you, you are, you will be now asking for a more robust clause in, in regards to first major the one lending you the money will also say the same, no? so hey, I would like to also to have their protection for my money. So that, that's gonna be like the, 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 the pull and, and, and loose cord you know, uh, that, that we will be facing in the following years. Uh, we've seen a trend of now 
clauses being designed into contracts specifically providing this type of effects of the pandemic. Um, and so this, uh, this has taught us a lot of lessons, which of course will be, uh, will be evolving in the following years. But that, I think that is uh, one of the, you know, the main lessons learned or, or one of the, uh, the, 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 the things that came to, to, to stay, you know, and, uh, and we'll be looking at them most in, in the following years. Noah, from a technical point, do you agree with, with how things will be changing in the recovery stage and how we'll be seeing things in these projects? I, I think what's going to happen, which I, I'm actually happy uh, thinking of, of a positive uh, impact of this, is that I'm seeing right away a, an acceptance of uh, by our customers and suppliers, et cetera, to, for more digital communications, for more. Um, I can see, for example, uh, things, just to give you a, an example that, just six months ago, we were discussing, hey, can we, could we use uh, hard hats with video cameras so we can send one person instead of three or whatever, and that person can be recording or actually live streaming what he's seeing, and then our different experts on different fields, instead of traveling because of scheduling and everything, they can be watching from a computer. We have that technology today at Burns and McDonald, and six months ago, some of our clients were saying, well, no, I really want to have the person there at the site because it's just, you know, what we're used to. Well, now I think we're seeing a change in that mindset to be more, more willing to try different things, to communicate digitally, have video conferences. And so perhaps in other areas we'll be more, we will be more efficient and more effective because of this. Yeah, I, I do feel that many, many sectors, not just um, the infrastructure sector and, and construction, but we're going to be seeing a lot of movement toward digitalization and things changing to having um, and more automated processes. And so that I think that's an excellent point. Do you yeah. have any? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you allow me to jump in, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've seen at the, you know, at the different um, locations, at the different stages, at the different degrees, at the different levels of, 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 of the society and, uh, and um, the different uh, uh, working environments. And, and you know, we, we, we've all, have, with this pandemic, we've all had to adapt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, we've seen this trend of, you know, doing more things electronically or through, you know, uh, electronic means of communication. And, and that's something that, that's here to stay. Uh, and uh, we've all seen that this has caused and that has brought a lot of efficiencies in, in you know, in the whole production chain of, of, a, of, a, of a product or in, in the whole you know, the whole chain of events that lead you to, to a final product, no? um, uh, In consultancy, in, uh, in, in the handcraftsmanship, in, in manufacturing, in, in every, every you know, industrial area, we've seen that this, this has brought a lot of efficiencies in the process and that's something that's here to stay. 
and uh, and and as Noé said, you know, everything is will be now focused on efficiency, you know, uh, to do more with less. Uh, and uh, before, probably the 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 the, the thing that impeded us from getting where we are now is because it, we were afraid of testing it. Now it has been tested, you know, and uh, because of because of you know having proven that it, it brings your results, now it, it's it's just a matter of implementing. It. So I think that, that that's something we will be looking at in the following months as well. Hey, hey Daniel, if I if I can, Natalie, I saw a, a survey somewhere asking the question what what made what has made or what has helped your company become more digital? And there were like four options. One was productivity. Another one was customer service. Another one was sustainability. And the last one, which was has by far the most responsible was coronavirus. That was the, <laughs> the reason. Uh, we had, and, and that, and I could not agree more with, with Danielle. He, I mean, it makes a good point. We were not, we were forced to test whether many of our sectors can handle this, especially in developing these large projects. And what better way to test it without being left any other choice? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that's an interesting survey. Um, so I'd like to just kind of wrap this up and, and maybe leave our audience with just perhaps your key takeaways or suggestions for best practices for companies in the upcoming months or even the upcoming year or two as, as we enter this new stage of recovery in many of our economies and, and in the sector. Do you have some key takeaways that you'd like to share with the group? I'll, I'll start, uh, Danielle, with you and, and then we can switch to Noah and, and share with the audience that information. Ah, uh, as a takeaway, um, you know, I think that I, 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 I would say again what I said before, I think that the, 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 the main focus now will be, hey, I, I know that I can do it, so why something that I use for something can be used for another thing, and that is, you know, it can be uh, all summarizing the let's do more with less. No, uh, let's be efficient with what we have uh, and if we find a way of making it better with a, a, a tool or something that can get us there, uh, let's bring it instead of you know, doing it the old-fashioned way. No, I, I think that, that, that would be the, the, the main, from my view, that would be the main takeaway. And, and well, I, I like to mention a couple things. Uh, to me, as a best practice, maybe there's two things. One is, again, really look at the, uh, at the planning process of your capital projects from a very early stage uh, in an integrated way, both with internal and external factors, including your stakeholders, your contractual agreement. So, th so don't focus on one thing and then leave the others for, for later. So an integrated planning process. Number two is, I think more than ever, we need to really look into virtual collaboration like never before for the obvious reasons. And don't just leave it to, well, you know, we use, we use this platform and 
we do webinars. That's not it. We need to really, as companies, look into better ways um, to, to promote virtual collaboration and, and, and communication both ways. A lot of times people think, well, I, I communicated, I sent an email, but was it understood? Is the person on the other side understanding the intent of uh, a, a document or any, a lot of things happen for the for very simple things that cause confusion that create domino effects that create delays and confusion so to me is really going back to basics you know good project management uh, really go a long way and and bring in those right experts from the legal aspect all the different things that you need to consider uh, it's, it's really keep it simple, project management, good planning. And, and I have to say this, oftentimes people think, well, uh, I got all the signatures, so I got a plan. Well, it's not just about gathering signatures. That's, that's you know, administratively okay, but it's really about what needs to be considered and, and, and your risks identified by your team and have a mitigation plan in place. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think I think both are very good points. I, what we grasped from this whole conversation, which was excellent. Thank you to both of you. Plan for the unexpected. There's a need for increased efficiency, which we've already seen, as Danielle has pointed out, and we've seen that it works and it's going to be part of the new norm in these projects. And I, I, I think we Really want to just thank both of you for joining us um, and sharing great discussion on what we've seen these projects go through, the challenges and also the solutions and, and some of the best practices on, on how we can move forward uh, after this crisis. So I, I want to thank you again both on behalf of the Latin America Energy Money and Infrastructure Team and to our audience, we are happy to provide further insight and answer any questions you may have.